he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotify, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta. I'm here every week reminding you to please subscribe and listen. I'm also here every week, as I always am, with the one and only Alex Ipostelidis. <laughs> I just have to say it that way, even though you're not Italian. Well, no, I am. Remember, I'm part Sicilian. I, it's I, a Greek I, name, but I'm part Sicilian, so it it, it works. It, it works. It works. I, I'd rather <laughs> you be, a, you know, Donatella or a Gianelli or, uh, you know, that's... Oh, that's well, call me Alexia then. Alexia. Alexia, postalidis, hey, there you bono, go. Bono, bono. <laughs> Well, here we are again. It's another day. It's another week. And we have two really incredible guests. So let's get to it. Woohoo! Yes, we're lucky to have two wonderful guests today. They're co-owners of the amazing Mightable, Mighty Untouchables. I'm I sorry love, about that. I love the, I love the Mightables. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. I am still COVID recovering. There we go. They are co-owners of the amazing mighty untouchables and that's uh, one of san diego's premier bands they've been around since 2009 and here's where it pays to stay in school kids mark fulton is the band leader and guitarist and something i didn't know he's also a songwriter i did not know that he's been on, uh he's been heard on many tv networks including abc cbs nbc hallmark many 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 more he's performed and written music for live televised events featuring Presidents Reagan and Bush, as well as the very yummy Mario Lopez and Pamela Anderson. And our other guest, the beautiful Danielle Tucker, is also co-owner of The Mighty Untouchables. She led her popular country band, the Danielle Tucker Band, and performed with celebrated artists such as James Otto, Chris Young, and Juice Newton. I love Juice Newton. She's also a vocal coach and produced her and hosted her Pandemic Proof Singers Summit 1 and 2, and currently produced, produces and hosts the Unstoppable Singer Podcast. So a fellow podcaster, yay. yay. Please welcome Mark and Danielle. Hey, how's hey, it going? Mark. Hey, Danielle. How are Thanks you all doing? Us. We're doing good. Doing I, good. I can hardly believe it's been two, it's since 2009 that you started this band. I can almost remember going to Viejas. Yes. And seeing you perform live. This was before you were doing corporate events, um, or maybe you were just dipping your toe in corporate events. Uh, events in general, but I remember going to see you, and that started our relationship some some thirteen years ago. And you have really, really knocked it out of the park since then. Yes. Well, thank you. We definitely try hard and work every day, so <laughs> trying to trying to make it better. Well, that's the name of the game, isn't it? 
Absolutely. I remember working for you, Anthony, way back when Peggy worked for you, but I was playing with Art Deco. And I think that's actually when I first met you, but which is before all this. Wow. Yes, it was. We used to work with Art quite a bit when when Art Fisher had the Art Deco band and Peggy worked for Balada Entertainment and was married to Art. I didn't know that. I didn't know they were married, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Cats out of the bag. (laughs) As a matter of fact, not to go into too much uh, gossip, but Peggy met Peter, her current husband, while working for me because at the time I was renting space on 30th and Peter had his sound company and was renting space from me. And so he was in my office every day in his own little office. And uh, Peggy stuck a note under his office door uh, exclaiming her interest. And he responded and here they are today. Yeah. It was great. Nice. (laughs) Um, Wait a minute. Um, Excuse me. I have worked for you for eight years. Where's my husband? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm the unintentional Yenta. What can I say? Well, I... get intentional about it, will you? <laughs> <laughs> it all just happened so quickly, and we'll we'll try. We'll we'll try again. Thank you. I'll, I'll yeah, my, please. <clears throat> my spidey senses out, as you would say. <laughs> so I have to be honest, Danielle. I didn't know until. Well, until your introduction that you were part owner of the Mighty Untouchables from the beginning, I assume. Yeah. Um, way back in the early days, in fact, it was probably close to 25 years ago, um, Mark and I, along with wow. Mike and Greg, we all met um, working in a church band and wow. stuck together there in the church for years and years and years and and all you know all had our side projects going on at one point or another and then um mark and the guys had really kind of always aspired to put together um a group within themselves and kind of correct all the things that they didn't like about the side projects that they were doing <laughs> and uh, wanted to put together this really high quality group and mark and i happened to be working together at the same time um doing the danielle tucker band and he invited me into the fold and it just so happened that it was just kind of our natural offerings that we brought to the table where Mark, we actually call Mark the hustle boy. That is his name (laughs) within our band because this guy hustles like none other. He's the guy out there, you know, hitting the pavement every day. And I am, have just always been more of a natural behind the scenes uh, organizer and, and doer of tasks and um, all of the really non-sexy things. So uh, yeah, we just, he he and I just really, really work well together. We talk just about every single day, bouncing ideas off of each other all the time, getting opinions. And uh, he and I have very different work styles, but it just, it works like magic though. It does. At one point you had Leonard Tucker doing uh, lead vocals as well. Is Leonard still uh, uh, part of the group in some way, or is he now just off doing his own thing? He he's doing his own thing, but he he's semi retired, uh, but he does sing with the fifth dimension some also now, but he's like he still has his house in Oceanside, but he bought another house in um, God bless him, like Sacramento or something. And he just stays on the lake. That is so great. It's great to hear that a musician retires. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know, yeah. And has homes. Homes. Homes, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what a talented vocalist he yes. is as oh, well. Yes. And a charm to work with as well. I, I'm sure you, well, I hope you would agree. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Much, yeah, much more closely absolutely. than we did. Yeah. So um, what is the, what is the, well, I'm not going to ask you any more questions about the band. I need to get to our 10 quick questions. Yay! Oh, we got to start that way. So <laughs> are you ready? This is just down and dirty. 10 quick questions. We'll start with you, Danielle. You'll give us your answer. Mark, you'll give us your answer. And then we'll move on to the next question. The first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready to play 10 quick questions? I am ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. First question. Who is your favorite singer? Leonard Tucker. Mark. Uh, Kenny Loggins. Woo. What's one activity you lose track of time doing? Danielle. Um, looking at social media. <laughs> That's a time suck like you've never said. Mark. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mine is when I start writing or recording, I just get lost. Neither of you said when we're on this podcast. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> What's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, that's hard. Drinking too much caffeine. I drink way too much caffeine. Mark. Well, I do like coffee, so I'm not going to say that one. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, the... Sometimes it's stressful having to group in 10 guys, and I wish I wouldn't worry about it so much, but you know, I'm trying to prepare everybody, here's what you need to say, or here's what we're gonna do, and try to make them all calm and peaceful and so the night flows good. Mark, stop worrying. <laughs> Mark, do you cry? Yeah. Danielle, do you cry? All the time. Danielle, what is your favorite Broadway show? Oh, Miss Saigon. And you, Mark, your favorite Broadway show? Uh, the last one I went to was Wicked. I like that one a lot. Fabulous show. Yeah. Uh, have you ever skinny dipped in the ocean, Mark? Not in the ocean, but pools. Eh. How about you, Danielle? I have not. No, not yet. Okay, Saturday night we're doing it. Okay. Number eight. <laughs> Cancel the booking. Number eight. <laughs> What takeout food do you order most, Danielle? Um, I order from a deli, Sydney's Deli here in Rancho Bernardo. That sounds good. How about you, Mark? I do epic wings. Mm, I would have said neither of those two, but they sound <laughs> delicious. Yeah. Number nine, Mark, what's the item on your to-do list that you never, ever get to? Probably write more songs. Getting a haircut. Getting a haircut, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Writing more songs, that sounds good. Danielle, what about you? My number one is updating our press kit. Mark and I talk about it at least weekly, and I never, ever do it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do that thing again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, last question. What's the first letter, Danielle, the first letter of your go-to curse word? Oh, it was it was so on your lips. Yeah, <laughs> deliciously, you? by the way. 
Yeah, I think F too. <laughs> F for Fungenibolis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fungenibolis. How did you know? I know. Or in, in my family, it's Fanardi. That's the F word too, Fanardi. Uh, Fanardi. Well, thank you for playing 10 quick questions. Yay. Are you warmed up? <laughs> All right. All right, so now bad questions. Tell us what, other than the fact that you wanted to come together and do it right and sort of get rid of all of the pings that you were feeling in your own groups, what was the other inspiration for starting The Mighty Untouchables? And how did you come up with the name? I'll let you answer that, Mark. Okay. Well, how we came up with the name, Mike had the name Untouchables, and I didn't, I told him I didn't really like it, but we started doing the VA host battle of the bands and one of the judges like, and so I knew there was a ska band already called the untouchables. So that's why I told him that's not going to be good. You know? So the judge says, well, you know, you guys win this week, but by next week you need a new name because you can't use the untouchables. So somehow we came up with the mighty untouchables and we all like that. Yeah. I think we actually had a band meeting and we were writing up verbs on a on a whiteboard trying to you know come up with something that incorporated untouchables and and it was really kind of a quick decision and i don't think one that we were ever really settled with but we just went with it and it's it's lasted it, <laughs> and it, tmu was so you know you could just say tmu and yeah, everybody yeah. knows who you are so yeah. it does ring it has a very yes. nice ring to it and it always has and I just wonder, were, do you remember any of the other options? Oh my gosh, it's been so long now. I don't yeah, think I, I don't think we really had a lot of options because I, I, I do it all the time. I like if I'm trying to do a side band, I would like try to get a name, and no, you can't not get everybody in the band to decide. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to push forward yourself. Yeah. Yes, you, you just have to find, you have to go with something and hope it sticks, and people will come around eventually, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's sometimes the way picking a name works, but the name does work. And initially you really played with off that name in your dress uh, and in your promo shots. Um, there was a bit of a gangsta feel to oh, yeah. you know, what you were promoting, mm -hmm. but a very formal, uh, very uh, uh, high elegant. elegant, yeah, gangsta feel, if you will. Uh, and I remember that look fondly. Uh, one of your first looks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and who does the styling for the band? <laughs> it's so funny that you you mentioned that look because that has always been the Mighty Untouchables are always trying to improve every single dimension of the band. And the look and the image of the band is something that we've always kind of had some turmoil around because each one of us our personalities are so different. Our style is so different. Nobody in the band really likes being told what to wear. And I think we really, really tried to adapt you know, the gangster look, which was pretty cool. And I think everybody enjoyed it for a while. We, I think we got a little tired of it. But then we moved on to um, color coordinating where we'd have like uh where you know, wear something gold and you're out black and gold or, you know, black and blue or something like that. And um, the the arrangements that the band would come up with were were horrible most of the time. <laughs> like if someone was to wear yellow, we'd we'd come with every imaginable shade of yellow that right that 
did not work whatsoever <laughs> together. And, and just, um, it was always such heartache amongst everyone that the email threads that would go around about like, I don't have time to get this and I don't want to wear that. And so eventually we've come to where we are at now where we all just, I think we've come to this place where we just, we, we like the fact that we all present our own unique style and personalities. We do have a base style color you know palette or whatever that we go with but like mark has a very distinct look on stage bobby has a very distinct look on stage we we really each do and we're all very very comfortable with it so um you know that's that has worked well for us so we we style ourselves i would say i, I want to if i'm remembering correctly and please if i'm not correct me that was one of the the uh, recommendations that I had years ago for the band was to try to, in some way, uh, unify your look on stage. Didn't mean that everybody had to wear the same thing, but there needed to feel, you needed to feel like a group. It needed yes. to look like a group. Yeah. And, um, and that's something that you do very nicely. Now there, there is, uh, when mm. you look at the band, uh, you see a very tight knit group on stage and the costuming the wardrobe really does help to solidify that yeah so i'm glad that you got through some of the oh, i don't want to wear that do we have to <laughs> uh you know it's sort of like living in the united states everybody has to give up a little bit of freedom for all of us to be free yeah yeah <laughs> totally true yeah i think one thing we're trying to get past now is that you know we do such a large array of casual to formal and trying to get past the fact that as the band you don't necessarily in a formal setting need to walk in with a very buttoned up look um you know uh, uh as far as like a tuxedo and right. you know very polished dress shoes and everything i think that's a little bit old school now and we're i think we're all trying to open ourselves up to the idea that like um yes someone can come in with a without a tie or can wear some like um chucks or something um because we're the band you know and and it's we kind of have to have that edge factor to um the look of the band so we're still working on that i could totally understand that i mean i think in general fashion is edgier than it used to be and even those people who go to formal affairs you might see you know a set of white a pair of white sneakers paired with a tuxedo yeah. you know all of that is is more commonplace than it was do you feel it's necessary for the band to look a notch more uh how do i put this um finessed than the crowd yeah i totally agree with that i think i think um i think you've got to amp up the style of the band to the degree that you wouldn't just normally blend in with the rest of the audience there should be you know something stand out about the look and um you know i don't i don't know that we necessarily always hit that mark but i always think that that's the general idea that we're shooting for and, and we're you know we've we've um we've worked with stylists before and and are you know definitely always trying to up our game um you know, Mark's really great about that. I mean, he's very, he has, very, like I said, a very distinct style and, you know, the things, pieces that he picks are very unique to him and not probably not something you're going to see anyone else in the audience wearing. Mm. What about, 
you want to you want to speak to that, Mark? Oh, I definitely do that. I mean, I've done that my whole life. I I always wanted to be one of a kind, you know. So I try to find clothes or find clothes that that would be one of a kind, but they still fit in what I'm supposed to be wearing. Hmm. And as far as the guys, I've just talked to them a lot about what they should be wearing, and some some people don't need uh, my advice, but some people do. <laughs> That's true. So we talk we talk about it. We definitely talk about it. Well, it really is amazing how much the look of a band changes the perception of a band uh, mm. from a guest point of view. It it really does matter. And we could, you know, talk till we're blue in the face and argue the point, but it does matter. When, yeah. when you look great, you sound better to people automatically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's a definite like sharpness, sharpness or polish that it needs to have. Mm -hmm. What about your song lists and how you choose music for an event? Could you tell me about that process? Well, we, I mean, it, it depends if there's a theme for the event, but when we're picking songs, we, we try to get, we call them hundred percenters because we know the songs that we learned that people are going to already like. Mm -hmm. So we try not to stray. I mean, if, if I had my choice, I would play Steely Dan all night, but I know that <laughs> no, that's not going to go over. So we try to pick the songs that are appropriate for the event. The, and, and we do have song, you know, when we start our set, we really don't stop. So we do have songs that flow into the next song and we take, we take it in, in, into mind who's going to sing the song. So the same singer doesn't sing three in a row, that kind of deal. Um, and then we try to read the crowd too also, but um, we basically try to stick with songs that we know that people are gonna love. Is there any particular information about the crowd that helps you to choose those songs? Yeah, yeah, by looking at, at their age and what the, how they've been re reacting to the other songs that we've been playing. And what about when you put the list together before you even see any of the guests? What kind of information other than a theme might you ask for to help you plan the right kind of tunes? Well, that's that's a touchy situation. You know, if you're talking about um, corporates, we usually don't have a problem with that. Well, they'll just tell us dinner. We have going to do a dinner set. And then we're going to do, a, you know, two dance sets. So we know from there, weddings sometimes try to pick every song. And I try to discourage that because they don't know which song the band sounds good on, which song flows into the next and et cetera. I try to, so I, what I try to do instead of tell them they're wrong, I like, why don't you highlight, you know, your top 10 songs. And from that, we can see your vibe and let us take it from there. It, it seems to be better if, well, I know it's better if we get to pick the songs in the set list. Yeah, I think that's a common um, issue among uh, bridal couples and bands is the selection of music and how exacting it can be. Yeah. Uh, and the nuances they're unaware of that you just mentioned, you know, one singer three, singing three songs in a row doesn't necessarily work for the band or one tune might not easily segue into another tune uh those are the things that most most regular people don't get yeah so i've heard that bands have i've heard bands ask uh and specifically 
bridal case is what songs you don't want us yeah. to play. Mm -hmm. That's another way to get around um, coming we, up. We do that, but you, I then again, I have to like kind of like, you know, please don't mark out 15 songs because <laughs> we've had that before and you look at the list and like they, they maybe we want you guys to dance and they cut every dance song. And <laughs> But, but I understand if your like ex-husband love journey. I understand. I don't have to play journey. I'm over it too. So <laughs> we, 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 try, we, we try to we try to go with you know with what they say, but you have to really talk to them. You know, they have to consider everybody that's at the event, not just herself. Right. And I think that's the the biggest issue of all when it comes to music is that piece right there. Uh, the person hosting the event makes the decision for everybody without yeah. really considering what their taste might be. Right. Uh, I don't like this song, so nobody can hear it, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. kind of thing. And and some songs, you know, are crowd pleasers. I'm sure yeah. you're 100%. You're is that what you call them? Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, these are songs that, you know, every time you hit them, you're going to you're going to knock it out of the park. Right. People are going to be on yeah. the floor. They're going to respond every time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when somebody says to you, and, and we hear this a lot, and, and I'm still at my age and point of my career, still struggle with this. Don't play anything cheesy. <laughs> I hear that word cheesy so much, and it makes me want to pull my hair out because it really pertains to nothing. Right. What yeah. is cheesy is right. different. Yeah. Like what is beautiful is different, right? So how do you, how do you respond to a, a request like that? You know, what's interesting is that, um, you know, for the most part, we have a, a pretty set flow that we work with. I mean, there's there's some variables there. Some things get interchanged, but um, the hundred percenters we have found are those songs that some people may say have been typically, you know, overplayed on on, you know, mainstream radio and everything. But those are the ones that work. People hear them. There's that familiarity to them. You're just your most universal crowd knows them. And in all these years, we've always tried to stay on top of like the latest, biggest, you know, radio hits so that we can keep things fresh and keep things um, current and everything. And, and we try them. We try them, you know, give them at least, you know, a handful of shows to um, see if they're working on the dance floor. But um, things that we hear all the time, you'd be surprised your general mainstream audience hasn't heard them, don't know them, doesn't know how to respond to them. And so, um, you know, a lot of times it's just, it's so much trial and error and just, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to retire a brand new song weeks after learning it and then bring it back a year later, you know, right. once, once everybody's caught up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I can give you a baseline of cheese though. I really can't. Mm -hmm. The the theme from the love boat. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. The love boat. yeah. <laughs> they played that. Actually, played that at my brother's wedding. Uh huh. Oh and, my lord. You know, my I parents thought like, it was cool, uh, but you know, no. I think yeah. cheese would be like. It's not unusual to be love. Hey, no, I like that song. <laughs> so do I, Lucas. You know, sorry, guys. It's funny, yeah, yeah. but people do still say we don't want the chicken dance, and we don't. You know, oh, like, yeah. like really, did we ever do that? I don't think. <laughs> no, no hokey pokey. No yeah. macarena. No, no, no electric I'd... slide. 
I was at a party. Well, not too they long still ago. ask for that. I was going <laughs> to say the electric slide is still pretty popular. I, it is. Yeah. I can't believe it, but it is. Yeah. I think that's the straight man dance. That's the song that brings all the straight men out on the floor. The electric slide. The electric slide, yes. <laughs> um, so what new artists, or, or how do you select new songs, and how do you keep up with what's current? And, you know, there, there's so much to choose from. How, how, do you, how do you pare it down and actually decide we're going to tackle the song? Well, to me, I, I listen to it and I and I can kind of hear will a band sound good on this song or not, you know, because most songs today are are programmed and they are not real bands. Um, and then. Um, then the tempo is far, you know, because a lot of dance songs now are don't have the faster dance tempo. So, you know, a lot of it has to do with tempo. Um, I don't know, Danielle, can you take over? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that really is the formula is that it's first like, yeah, I mean, something may be new and like a huge, you know, hit, but if there's so much production in it that can't be replicated by a live band, um, sometimes just not gonna, it's gonna fall flat and there's so much space in a lot of these dance songs. But if you can kind of pinpoint those artists who are still producing, you know, real, real instrumentation sounds mm -hmm. i mean like your bruno mars um lizzo her new song out is great and i don't know like justin timberlake and just some other um there's there's kind of those key uh key artists who still are doing um songs like that um but again for us a lot of times it is that kind of trial and error and we don't realize it until the first time we play it for an audience and we're like wow this is not what we thought it was going to be, right. but it's worth an effort. <laughs> what, what about hip hop rap? Uh, does that have a place in your repertoire? Yeah, we tried it. Yeah. We actually try to hit the '90s stuff because right. it's that was popular. such a popular era, and it was such a more of a dance club vibe, you know, for that music, and and really, really popular with the demographic that we tend to play for as well. Do you and find that? Go ahead. Oh, I have to say we don't really play with tracks, you know, but we do have like loops and electronic drum sounds that will make it sound more like the um, what you hear on the radio. On the radio. Yeah, but we don't really play with tracks. But with those electronic drum sounds, the 808, boom, and, mm -hmm. you know, and claps and, and that makes it sound more, more authentic, more like the more radio, authentic, which is yeah. what people want when they're when they're at a, an event. If it doesn't. If it's if it doesn't sound close to the recording or like right. the recording, people don't generally respond. Would you agree? Yeah. And we also have Bobby Cressy, who is a magic, <laughs> yes. Yes, you know, yes. element to all of that is that he he is extremely gifted with finding those sounds that are so true to the original recordings. And he makes, you know, takes painstaking effort to program all of those sounds and really dial those things in for us. Yeah. Yeah, I love definitely. watching Bobby's hands fly on the keys. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 otherworldly. Yeah, yeah. He really is a very talented uh, pianist, keyboardist. Yeah. Very very talented. So, um, are there are there certain artists you just mentioned? Three you said Lizzo, uh, Justin Timberlake, and can't remember the third. But Bruno are there Mars. Art, Bruno Mars? Oh. <clears throat> are there artists that you you typically 
go to then or look look at new material from and others that you just know it's not going to be a a hit on the dance floor do you kind of have that feel already yeah well the the newer stuff it is it really is tricky it's kind of hit or miss um you know we've we've tried a lot of justin bieber um tunes that have um come, come and gone a bit um charlie puth we've we've worked with a lot ed sheeran uh dua lipa dua lipa has been great her yeah. her songs are really translate well with the band um i don't know mark any other well i mean some of the songs some of the artists she just named we we love their songs but we quit playing them because people weren't reacting a lot but the dua lipa definitely a hundred percent are people mm -hmm. love the, any mm -hmm. of her songs mm -hmm. I, I think we track and, and we listen to the artists that we know that are going to be good already, but we try to listen to everything. That and what fun. if somebody in the band just doesn't want to play that song? How do you get around that? We tell them it's too bad. They have to <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to lead. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. We do kind of have a system, though. The way we the way we choose new material is we'll we'll have a band meeting and everybody will bring their ideas to the table and we kind of form one big like brain dump list and then the list is sent around um it's a very democratic band it's sent around to the core seven band members and we rank the ones that we want to do and we all take into consideration not really our own personal preferences, but what we really think is going to work and what what um, what styles we might be missing or that we need to refresh at any given time. And then the votes are tallied and we'll usually grab the top three to six songs and pull them in and, you know, kind of get push them through the, the, the cycle to see if they work. And is that a an annual process, a biannual when you feel it's necessary? How does that happen? We do it like every three months or something like that. Oh. But we're actually learning, you know, when, when you play weddings, you're learning songs every week already. So some of the songs, you know, it's usually the first dance and some right. of those songs we will, some of those songs we will continue doing, but some of the other ones you never play again. Um, but I think it, we have like before we say everybody vote on we'll say hey we're looking for 90s dance songs you know we'll uh -huh. we'll have a theme first before we start voting or everybody suggesting songs mm -hmm. so under the under the uh guys that everything old is new again you're saying you just told us you're you're replicating a lot of 90s tunes now was yeah. there a time in your career that you were replicating 80s tunes with much more fervor? And do you yeah, expect sure. that in a few years it'll be tunes from the new millennium? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, we definitely learned a lot of 80s. I think we were trying to see, look at our song list and see what we don't have a lot of. And that's when we started concentrating on the 90s. And, you know, I tell you what, when you play Backstreet Boys now, people just love it. Yeah, love like, it. Well, I never would have thought that, even though I liked them and some of my friends worked with them, you know. And so, I, but it's, yeah, it's definitely changing. It's not, it's not uh, 70s disco now or 80s. It's, right. it's going more to 90s. Well, those people are now they've come of age and they're in the work world and they're getting married and they're having children yeah. and they're our audience now yeah uh which is which is how that happens right it's 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 
it's it seems very uh uh surprising but when you've been around long enough you see it happen yeah that, that everything just comes back into vogue again yeah. and people people take to it like they did you know 20 years or 30 years ago what is it that you love most about what you do what is the thing that even on your worst day when you don't feel danielle like getting up and singing mark you just don't feel like getting behind the guitar what do the you think the thing that gets me out of bed that drives me every day about um doing this work in particular with the mighty untouchables is that um i've known these guys for maybe over 25 years and they're my chosen family and i mean i love each and every one of them so so dearly i love being around each and every one of them just being in their presence you know is so uplifting and just i feel at home when i'm with all of them and so it just i'm just naturally inspired to do any and everything that i can to support the group and you know i love working with mark when i see mark calling me you know i he takes a priority in my life to answer the phone and um you know i just couldn't think of anything better you know that i that i could be doing i've got lots of other side projects that i do that i love very much but nothing inspires me the way that this band does mm. how about you mark um well i'm i'm i always want to play music you know especially with this band i think we the great thing about it is every individual is very responsible as far as learning their part before we ever rehearse and so we get, when we get to rehearse we're like sometimes we only have to do it one time and we're like ready to go and you know, wow. we, we were thinking well why do we even rehearse here and, you know but, it, but you need I to know, you always want to do that right yeah but it, like like at weddings now we're all on in ear uh, in ear earbuds now and no monitors so we can turn the mains off and while they're at cocktail hour we'll we'll be rehearsing songs you know because you won't be able to hear nothing's coming out of the PA right so and everybody seems to be I mean we've been very lucky that I think when we try to pick guys we try to pick guys that are responsible and they I mean you you already have to have the talent. But um, good people, good hearts that that we know we can uh, count on. Because you're learning the song, but you're also getting it into the body, right? You can't just learn a song and perform it with sheet music in front of your face, right? I mean, it, that that has to go away. I assume nobody ever uses music unless, you know, you're really... You know, there there's a... Sometimes we, on our iPad, like if we're doing a wedding song for the first time, we might use our iPad, but there is a correct way to read music and still engage with the audience. You know, you what you do, you you try to look at eight bars and you, some. I mean, you have to practice it. I'm not saying, yes. I mean, I could, well, I, I have played with the symphony and stuff and I have walked in and just read stuff, but you, you focus on the eight bars and you memorize that. And then you have, then your job is to look out in the crowd and engage people in the crowd. And then you can come back and then you look at the next. So, you know, when people, I agree, you should not have your head all down in the music and not be performing because that that's our job to perform. But I think there is a way you can do both in my yeah, opinion. 
there is a way for sure and you're right you have to practice it and become really really uh you have to perfect that skill of yeah, yeah. being able to look at your music or look at your next move without uh without showing the audience that your head is buried in music and you're not really engaging with them uh, you have to do that you definitely absolutely and then, you know the other thing i mean a long time ago when Alex was saying I did I did a TV show with Ronald Reagan. So I had to go up to his office in LA and we like videotaped him and uh, yeah, as a promo. Well, talk about reading a teleprompter. This guy is great. So I mean, even the presidents read a teleprompter. When oh, yes. Yes. Know. Yes. Everybody does. But it's the difference between those who make it feel like you're speaking to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And those who Absolutely. just can't get their head out of their tissues. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And I see it all the time. I see it with CEOs and C-suite people all the time. They are either wedded to their script and don't know what their next move is without burying their head into it, or they're, they understand what it is they need to say, and they're able to communicate directly to people and make them feel like they're engaged. It's the same thing when you're a musician on stage, yeah. especially for you, Danielle, because you're right in front, yeah. right? And you're, you're the lead vocalist, right? So what happens to you when you, when you go up on a lyric in the middle of a song, I have to, I have to think that has happened to you at least once. Uh, what is, what, what happens to you internally and how do you get through it? Oh gosh. Well, that's interesting you that you asked me in particular about this because I think that throughout my career, I've identified this as being a weakness of mine. I have a very panicky mind. And so, you know, if I kind of trip up on lyrics or something like that, I have a tendency to just kind of blank out. Um, so that's actually something I've been working on a lot lately, just kind of building up my confidence and my trust in myself to, you know, handle that kind of thing in the moment. And so I've just kind of little by little been letting go of the crutches that I have. And I find that when I'm completely off the lyrics, I'm way more comfortable, way more confident. But when I know I have that crutch there, I, you know, it's like my eyes are just you know, mm -hmm. magnetized to it. So really trying to get off of that and, and really just trying to come at it with the mindset of dropping my per perfectionism and just saying that, you know, if I do mess up, it's okay, nobody's going to die and, and I'll recover from it. And thank God, you know, I have two co-singers on stage who are, you know, phenomenal, but no doubt about it, it does take time. Like, you know, if we're adapting a song for the first time playing it to the crowd the first time it's unsettling you know it's it's because you're you're watching to see people's reactions it's not in your body yet like you're saying but after you know a handful of times the whole band will kind of settle into a song it all settles for all of us and i see this present itself the most with like our singer donovan who is um he's just like his ability to memorize lyrics and um you know perform them without without you know any inhibition at all is is really really remarkable but you can distinctly tell if he has just learned a brand new song versus one that he you know has really sunk in for him so mm -hmm. you know i think it is just that kind of combination of giving it some time letting it sink in and then also eliminating the crutches and kind of trusting yourself a little bit more does the audience notice? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, think I think they do. 
You, did. you know, Anthony, with the, with the in-ear system now, we have a talkback mic, and so we can talk to the band, and, you know, it's not coming out the fronts. So we could help, you know, somebody that is... With the lyrics. ...entering their lyrics, or it, it also helps us with, you know, if we have to change songs, you know, we can call right. the song on the mic. Then also, while we're ending the, the song that we're playing, we can count off the next song so where it doesn't have to stop, right. you know, and, and the audience never hears all that. Well, that is, and that is key as well. Uh, and one of our biggest pet peeves at Bellotta Entertainment is a group that <laughs> comes together to perform, doesn't know where they're going after a song and spends yeah. the next two yes. minutes deciding what that will be. Yeah. Mostly that's a pickup band situation, mm -hmm. right? It's not yeah. so much a rehearsed band, a show band like you are, but the segues are as important as the songs themselves. And you do a terrific job yes. of that. Of making sure that there is no downtime. Now we're about to do a wedding with another band on Saturday, on Sunday night next week, and that was one of the first callouts from the client. We don't want to stop the action on the dance floor once we get started with a slow song or with a stop, yeah. which means you have to be ready to go with your next song, and you all do that magnificently and one of the reasons why we love working with you so much you and that momentum is so key to keeping a party moving and hopping and keeping people engaged because what we tend to forget on stage is those seconds may feel like not much time to us in between those songs but man when you're sitting out there it could feel like a lifetime Mm -hmm. yeah it's awkward it, it's awkward yeah yeah it is it happens you know and i think but i think there's like little you know safety nets that you can put in place yes. to fill that air like we're lucky again having three people up front that we can mm -hmm. do a little bit of hype and talking engaging with the mm -hmm. crowd you know if the band is having to work something out quickly in the background just to fill a little bit of that right. dead air and that can kind of help to segue it but i do i love that too about this band just the one to the next to the next which is and also another is good case for not letting clients pick every single song there you go right <laughs> as far as slow songs i mean we might play slow songs in dinner sets but we hard we never do it in dance sets but when you do it is if if for some reason nobody's dancing that's when you play a slow song because that gets everybody back out and then you start over again which right. rarely happens but it does happen and that's a very good point too those slow songs do help to bring people out on the dance floor that may not consider themselves dancers right no. come out for a romantic reason or you know because they don't dance so much they'll just come out it's easier right it's easier yeah. on the on the ego and it's not as fear uh fearful people mm -hmm. don't get as fearful to do that yeah. um when was the last time you had to replace someone in your band and tell us about that process is it a difficult one uh, you know, you've been around now 13 years, almost 14 years. So I assume it gets a bit easier every time you have to do it. It's, I assume, not something you want to do, but on occasion it has to happen. So how do you handle that? And, and what is the process? It's, gosh, it's so rare for us. I, and I think that is one thing that really sets our band apart is that we're a core group, you know, where we, we've 
been the same lineup for so long while we have had a handful of people come and go for for good reasons it's rarely Mm -hmm. because we're excusing anybody it's just because you know they're going in a different direction for whatever reason but uh leonard would have been the last person who left and he was ready to retire you know our, our type of work can be a bit of a grind and he was you know ready to move on to a you know retirement life um and he was such a staple in our group you know we of course were you know thinking we're never going to be able to fill his shoes ever you know because he's just one of a kind and so um you know we tried it we started trying some subs on various gigs for him and just seeing how they gelled with the band and and you know how we felt about them and um we found uh Darrell Anthony who um played several gigs with us and he just he was a natural fit with us just chemistry wise um his voice was amazing uh and you know just everybody in the band you know really liked him right away and you know thankfully he was in a good position to um jump on board with us but uh it is always a really tough process just because we all are very very family oriented and um we're we're making a replacement again right now but we're really taking our time with it and making sure that you know this this band is just so tight Mm -hmm. that it's just they've got to be exactly the right person so it only takes one person to spoil the nest i hate to say that but it really the one one bad person can make it miserable for everyone else. And yeah. uh, I'm glad that you don't experience that. And yeah. the the well-oiled machine that you talk about comes across in spades. Uh, yeah. You know, we can certainly tell the difference between a group that's been around for a long time together and is comfortable on stage working with one another and uh, makes those kinds of quick decisions that you were talking about earlier over the, you know, earpieces when you have to work something out makes that possible Mm -hmm. because you're so in sync with one another. What's next for Mighty Untouchables? What what's what what where do you see yourselves in the next five to ten years? You want to answer that, Mark? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess for us the most exciting new we have two Hawaii jobs coming up. One for oh. Ford, one for Ford in Maui. And then we're playing for the PGA Champions Tour in Kona in January again. So Everybody likes to go to Hawaii. That's good. But I tell you what, some of our traveling, we we've never really done a whole lot of traveling. And so we have been doing some, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's almost it's, it's tough when you when you're in charge of that many people going, you know, and now I mean our our last one that we got we had two planes canceled so i mean it, it's it's tough out there now well i mean if you yeah. want to hear a story yeah, so true. we were playing in uh grand junction colorado for i think it's called america family west and they own a bunch of hospitals so the flight to colorado is three hours so we we're like oh yeah we could fly in the day of you know which they don't like usually but but we say oh yeah we do it so we played friday night then we get home about midnight or one and Danielle's in charge of booking these flights and uh, she gets an email saying our flight the next morning is canceled well the 
the problem you know we're so we're supposed uh, to be in colorado this is friday night well now it's saturday morning and so we're like oh man so we i automatically start looking for the new flights and everything and we're waiting on the uh, american airlines to give us our new flight but we're working but the problem is when you have that many people they might say they're available but they don't have 10 seats available you know right. so 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 we got our we got our new flight schedule and it's like arriving at 6:30 but we start playing at 8. So that means oh. there'll be no sound check and that means that we don't really know we told to get the sound company and the backline company what we have but we haven't seen it and we never worked with them. So we're pretty stressed out. So I'm like well, it's two in the morning. Should I text the guy now or wait till the next morning? You know, and so I text him. And then all of a sudden he's like, ding, 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 texting me all night. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, but now, but now we're, now we're talking. He starts coming up with all these ideas. And I'm like, well, it's great. You know, do you have any other ideas? Because, you know, again, we have to book 10 guys to get there. And so, we're kind of going along with our plan that we're going to get there an hour, 30 minutes ahead of time. So I'm driving to the airport and, and I'm talking to him on the phone. And, and so then we somehow we get into, Hey man, don't you know somebody that owns a private plane, you know? So, so we started talking and then he calls me back with the, with the um, pilot and we go through three different conference calls as I'm go as I'm driving to the airport and he says, well, can you guys make it to Phoenix? Yeah, we could make it to Phoenix, but it'd be better if you could just pick us up in San Diego, you know? And so, so then I get the call back. Well, 1230, we're going to meet you at Montgomery Field in San Diego. So we go to, so they send, wow. a, they send a corporate jet to pick us up. And um, the great thing is that there's nobody at this, I think it was called Crown Airlines. Do you know, you remember, Daniel? Well, the, the building, the guy has his own plane. So they fly. And so the guy's like texting me, well, we're one hour away, you know, we'll be landing in five minutes, you know? So we're there and they got a latte machine and they got chips and we're very, we're very happy. <laughs> so, so, so we, we like to all get on the plane and, and it wrote, it was a lifetime experience for me that I'll never forget because I never been on a private plane and, but it, but it is um, not as wide as your, normal plane <laughs> at first you're like oh i don't know about this but also i knew the guys were going to ask me well what kind of plane it is this you know and let's see a picture of it you know that guy before we just decide we're going to fly with somebody we don't know and so he sent us pictures and it was a very nice plane so that was great i mean so so we got there in an hour and a half we felt very comfortable it didn't take us three hours like the other plane was going to take us and then um also he you know you had a screen. You were seeing how fast you're going, how high you are, how much, how much of uh, the flight you have left, and everything. So as soon as we land, these trucks pulled up and picked us up, and we're like, "Wow, this is great!" You know, <laughs> we, let's do this now. So that was great. <laughs> so within 24 hours, we didn't know if we were going to make it to. We're on a private plane, and we made it in an hour and a half. Wow! So on our flight back, we fly back the next day. We get to Phoenix. And all our and our flights been canceled from Phoenix to San Diego. Oh my not God! Only, not only that is all the flights from Phoenix to San Diego have been canceled. We can get you in tomorrow, no problem. We're like, oh, <laughs> so we Danielle found us a Southwest flight, but we were in the airport from for like ten hours, which is never fun. So we yeah. went we went from we don't know if we can make it to a private plane to waiting in the airport of our flights getting canceled too. <laughs> 
that's our big story. I'll oh my you, God. I love the, do you know anybody with a private plane? And then it just shows <laughs> up. That's just like- That's powerful I'm gonna, manifesting. I'm, really, I'm gonna try that. Yeah. yeah, so to answer your question, Anthony, what's in store for us in the next five years is that the uh, Mighty Untouchables exclusively travel by private jet. Now. Uh, yeah. That's I see. basically that's our the, deal that's at this point. I get that. I understand. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. If you've done stuff with Presidents Reagan and Bush, don't you have access to um, Air Force One? Danielle, what's your three-legged stool? What three tenants do you live by? Oh, gosh, Mark and I talked about this yesterday, and I think we both agree that it's just be being kind and fair in everything that we do and um, just having a great work ethic. Kindness, fairness, and work ethic. There you go. I like that. And Mark, what about one of your daily habits? Something you strongly believe contributes to your success? Well, I, I try to answer all my emails every day and I try to, uh, if I don't have leads, I create leads. I, I try to reinvent myself all the time. I'm not scared to, I don't like to cold call, but I'll, I'll get in that mode and I'll just cold call people and I'll, or I'll just, I'll even call people, you know, that we worked with before just to talk to them as a friend, just to see what's going on. I, I think you have to, mm -hmm. you have to work every day. You can't just sit around and think gigs are going to come to you. You know, that's, that's what everybody else in the band does. Right. <laughs> because you are, what did you call him earlier, Danielle? The, the hustler? What was he? What, hustle, hustle boy. boy. Hustle boy. Hustle boy, Mark. So much better than hat boy. <laughs> or or bat boy. Or bat, bat boy. boy. Right. It was guitar, it was guitar boy. Guitar I, boy. No, hustle boy. Hustle boy. But so you what know, are, the, the problem is, Anthony, well, not problem, but I have to make time to practice guitar because I get into the mode. You know, once you get into the mode of trying to book gig, it takes the whole day. Yes, it's yes, I completely understand. Uh, what are the things you tell yourself when no one is listening? You want to start that, well, Danielle? Yeah. Oh, you go. Go, go. Mark, 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 you go. Well, You're ready to well, go. Mine is, you know, my my middle brother always his big thing was mark you have to believe in yourself if you don't nobody else is going to believe in you so i that's what i tell myself when i'm by myself or i i i try to believe that i'm a, a purpose here and that i'm leading i'm leading all these other families and i want to make a success it, well for my family first i want to make success and then i want everybody else in the band their families to be a success so i that keeps me going all the time what about you danielle i think um it's something along those lines i just tell myself you know go for it if if not me who then and and so those are that's how i kind of overcome my self-doubt or the things that help hold me back every day if not you who if not now when Hi. mark is that middle brother older than you he is yeah he he actually passed away like five years ago, but he was, um, he's two years older than me. And he was always, he was like the, I would say he's the original hustle boy because I, I would, I would watch him. He, he was on radio. He was a radio guy and TV he worked for KUSI for a while before he passed away. And he was like the, what Tommy Sablon is doing now. Mm -hmm. He would book all the guests and he would like make sure the, um, uh, 
people knew what the story was and, you know, kind of go through what questions they should ask. And that. But I would see him, me and my brothers did TV shows like the one with President Reagan. And, and, and so I would see him, he was, he was like, when you met him, you think you just met the world's greatest car, car salesman or something. You're like, oh, you know, I mean, he had so much energy. So I, I, I try to, I learned from him the way he would call, but I, now, I, now I don't try to oversell the band at all because I have a confidence in what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you don't want to book the band, that's okay, because we're going to get a job on that day right. anyway. So right. if you're really serious about booking the band, I think you probably need to put a deposit down. <laughs> well, you know, that is a good older brother. Uh, yes. What a fine older brother to teach you that. Uh, yeah. You know, just little things like, you know, like as far as uh, if you don't know, like say the concerts in the park, nobody knows who books those. So I I go to what I do is I call, I, you know, I watched him do this. And I'm not saying this is great, but I call like the recreation department of Encinitas. Hey, this is Mark Fulton from the band, you know, the, and who books the who books the bands at your great concerts? And they'll tell me if and I usually hang up right then. If they transfer me, I'll talk. But otherwise, I hang up and I start thinking about what am I going to say to this guy? And then I get a plan and I call I call it. Hey, this is Mark Fulton. I want to talk to John about the company, you know, so you already know who you're talking to. And you like come in and that seems to help me a lot. Nice. Quick two more questions. Danielle, when's the last time you tried something new? Oh, gosh. You know what's new for me is I've just started getting into visiting old, like, boutique-style hotels and resorts. And I just recently went to one in Palm Springs, and it was amazing. So I'm loving discovering these little places. What is the name Fun. of that? Do, can you share it? It was called Fleur Noir. Floor Noir, Floor Noir, Floor Noir yeah. in, in Palm Springs, and I had I happened to have been following them on Instagram, and and we had like a phenomenal time there. So cute, so different from like your regular chain hotel. Nice to hear. Yeah, Mark, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Uh, probably thirty. I, mean, I, I still like to go out and play basketball i still swim you know and, and uh i i just i it's funny because you know i went to see uh jeff baxter who played guitar with the doobie brothers and steely dan at the belly up like last month and i'm looking around and i'm like looking at all these people and i'm like wow these people are really old and i'm thinking do i really do i look like these people <laughs> and it, and it, because when i look in the mirror i still see my um, you know, 30-year-old self. I see my college self. You know? <laughs> I, I have to tell you that if you have to ask, you probably are. <laughs> I've done the same thing myself. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Danielle yes. and Mark from The Mighty Untouchables. You remain one of our favorite groups to work with. And yes, absolutely. And you are is... one of our favorite agencies, too. Adam. Thank you. We try to do it right, and we, we try do. to work with our our bands and we just think the world of you you always have always will mm -hmm. and uh the love affair continues Absolutely. i love when i get to work with you because i get what the audience doesn't get i get to be backstage with you during breaks <laughs> or pre-show and post-show and uh it, it for me it's so much fun because not only are you incredibly kind and talented your chemistry off stage is palpable 
and how you treat me when I'm there is amazing. I feel so welcomed and appreciated into your little family when I get to be there. So I just want to thank you for that. Wow, you're very welcome. We, we love, love being around you. Thank you. Same thing. The partnership is just beautiful and we we expect it to continue on and on. And uh, we will look forward to sending you on those private jets. And, uh, <laughs> and to and to and to hearing how wonderfully you do for all of our clients as well in the future. Thank you so much. The mighty untouchables. And you are untouchable. Mm-hmm.